following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everyone. Episode 781 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by your host, the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. So we, well, had a later State of the Union than we normally do. Yeah, the three hours, in some ways, being in a three-hour earlier time zone is great. Mm-hmm. And in some ways... Not so great. <laughs> Last night was an indication of when it was great because it was a bummer. The speech started at 9 p.m. Yes, 9 p.m. So then it wasn't done until 10 p.m. And then a lot of the live feeds that we rely on to get the audio to have the clips. They take a while. They were continuing with their live feed. Yeah. For a significant period of time. Yeah, in, the, in the, this morning, C-SPAN, I finally got the audio and everything, mm-hmm. and it was not just the lead-up, like the pregame. Yeah. It was that and the speech, and then the Republican response. Yes. From Ken Reynolds of Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, so it was this long, 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 like over two hours. Yeah. And then it has to process. Anyway, yes, I'm making all the excuses in the world. That is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that... Is what I do. The point is, though, we have several clips that we're going to talk about before we get to the specific moments from the State of the Union address. We're going to give President Biden a grade. Yes, we are going to give him a grade, and we're going to do it at the same time. Why are you so excited? <laughs> Why are you so excited about doing it this way? I'm not so excited about doing it this way, but I just think it it's will almost be fun. Like, it's almost as... What Brittany wants us to do is we're going to one, two, three, and then we're going to say our grade. Yeah. Neither one of us knows the other's grade. No. I didn't even know we were going to do this until like five minutes ago, so I had to think, oh, fuck, what's my grade? Yeah. But you're acting as though... You've got the right answer to the no, tr- question on the test no, that I don't have. That's not how I'm, that's not, no. That is exactly how you're acting. That's, you're projecting. <laughs> I never have the right answer for the secret <laughs> trick question on the test. Okay, so this is, this is opinion based. Oh, there's Wow, you really moved around when you said opinion a, there's based. There's currently a poll on your YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Dollamore. And you can go and give President Biden a grade on that poll on on your YouTube channel. On the community tab. Yes, in the community tab. And so far, he's getting pretty high ratings from most of the people. Don't give away. Okay, so let's just do it. Let's do our grades. So one, two, three, say the grade. Okay. One, two, three, C. C. Did you say C? Yeah. Oh, I said C too. <laughs> I did know the secret answer. Okay. So So why do you think C? Let's just start there. Okay. And then we'll go through the clips that'll hopefully uh, be emblematic of what we've said prior. So the reason that I say C is because I think that for the most part, he said the right things. For the most part. There were several things that I don't agree with, including stuff about the police, and we'll get into all that. But 
most of the time he said the right things about what his priorities are, what the Democratic Party stands for. My concern is how to actually get those things done. Yeah. It's nice to have him standing up there saying what his priorities are in terms of lowering prescription drugs, reinstating the child tax credit, doing important things that are going to make a meaningful difference in people's lives. But the question then comes in of how are you going to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With people like Joe Manchin, for example, standing in the way. And, for, and Republicans, of course. For me, I, I, uh, the C for me, it, it would have been a B hadn't he fawned over, let's fund the police more. I mean, all you have to do is not talk about that. <laughs> you just don't have that be a priority agenda item for yourself that cops don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Let's fund the usurpation of constitutional rights more, everyone. But, but the other thing that, that dragged it down for me was not spending, mentioning, but not spending enough time. I mean, he dedicated voting rights like 30 seconds or a minute or something. Right. And then that was it. Mm-hmm. And same with abortion rights. It just wasn't enough time. And in the, in the you know, when we're allocating the worth of something based on how much time you spend talking about it and focused on it, when you have the attention of the nation and the world... It just bothered me. Well, especially related to abortion, like you mentioned, where he he didn't even use the word abortion. And just the day before, the Senate rejected the Democratic bill. Thanks, Joe Manchin. To codify abortion rights, because coming in June, it is likely that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned, um, gutted. I mean, we've, we've, we've said this to the audience, prepare yourself. For Roe to no longer be the law of the land and the several disparate 15 or 18 states to outlaw abortion, possibly outright. So you have this happening the day before he makes this speech. He goes up and he says that a woman's right to choose is so important. We need to protect it. Well, just the day before the Senate rejected a bill to protect. So what? I mean, what's the plan? Like, it's nice that you feel that way. I appreciate that you feel that way. What's the plan? Because June is coming. By the way, did you see Amy Coney Barrett's face? Yeah, I saw some tweets about that. And I think, aren't the justices supposed to sit there and not move and not well? They don't. They don't. They don't usually take part in the in the standing ovations or the the applause. But certainly, the dour scowl on her face. I don't know. I think I she mean, looked like that the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be an Amy Coney Barrett face. defender, but well, well, and I noticed this. So Nancy Pelosi, she smiles. I've seen her smile. She's a pretty lady. Well, let's. You're sitting there for an hour. I mean, you're supposed to smile yeah. the whole time. Now, I will say, Nancy Pelosi smiled for most of the time. I don't know if you noticed this. She, she looked smiling. like a psychopath. She was well. Okay, so <laughs> what do you want from women? What no, do you no, want no, no. This s- isn't a woman thing. This is a woman who is who is actively undermining women's abortion rights. Yeah, you don't need to tell a- me that. You don't need to sit up in your chair and tell me that. I understand that. What yeah, I'm saying this is, isn't an attack on women. Well, I know, but it's frustrating because I have been at events where serious topics are being discussed and. 
it has been commented on I, that I, under, I wasn't smiling. Listen, I understand regular people in 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 uh, everyday life get told to smile, and that's dumb. But when you are a person who is media savvy and you understand that the camera is on you, it's not like they they were in a room and like, there was a secret recording. They know they're on camera. So, she knows what she's trying to communicate with her face. So what would you have wanted the face to do? What should her face have done in so that moment? I should give the the specific breakdown of which muscles should activate. Is it smize? Is it, what is the term? Oh, I don't know, but it's the, there's a difference between a flat, plain look and a scowl on your face. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the partisanship coming out in me. I don't know if that's true. You you don't. There's no. And this is great for the podcast. Uh, is there a difference between this and this? <laughs> huh? <laughs> is there? There's there's a difference, right? Oh my god! <laughs> All right, we're moving on. You think she was doing the latter? <laughs> you think she was doing the latter of yes, those two faces? <laughs> I can't. I can't mimic it. Okay. I'm. I'm a naturally happy person. Pretty yeah, face. Yeah. I can't really scowl that sure, well. Sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> please. I'm. We're gonna get emails, and everyone's gonna think I'm the president of Amy Coney Barrett's fan club or something. <laughs> and I am not. I'm just. I. I don't. I know that justices are not supposed to emote. That's typically their. Their deal during so, the so, State of the Union. So you believe her scowl was was not emoting. <laughs> See, that's where we differ. I believe she was emoting, and you believe that's just her flat affect. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at the video for, they had the camera on her for like seven seconds. And so I in that seven seconds, my read on it wasn't that she was like, oh God, yeah, I'm for sure going to overturn. Right what about away. when she was doing the jerk off motion? Like, <laughs> all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But again, that's perception. And, it could be. Like yeah. I said, I'm I'm what am I immune completely immune from from my disdain for her? Maybe it colored my <laughs> you know. Anyway, moving on. But listen, what do you guys think? Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at Dallamore.com. Let's get to the first clip. Talking about uh Buy America, the Bipartisan Investment Act. This came Roughly 20 minutes into the speech. Because the first part of that leading up to the 20 minutes was pretty much all about Ukraine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Every administration, Democrat and Republican, says they'll do it. But we're actually, we're actually doing it. We'll buy America to make sure every, everything from the deck of an aircraft carrier to the steel on highway guardrails is made in America from beginning to end. All of it. All of it. Folks, to compete for the jobs of the future, we also need a loving playing field with China and other competitors. That's why it's so important to pass the Bipartisan Innovation Act sitting in Congress that will make record investments in emerging technologies and American manufacturing. We used to invest almost 2% of our GDP in research and development. We don't now. China is. Let me give you one example why it's so important to pass. If you travel 20 miles east of Columbus, Ohio, you'll find a thousand empty acres of land. It won't look like much, but if you stop and look closely, you'll see a field of dreams. The ground on which America's future will be built. 
That's where Intel, the American company that helped build Silicon Valley, is going to build a $20 billion semiconductor megasite, up to eight state-of-the-art factories in one place, 10,000 new jobs. And in those factories, the average job about $135, $135,000 a year. Some of the most sophisticated manufacturing in the world to make com- computer chips the size of a fingertip. The power. So I think that this clip, which was cut off abruptly, that's my fault. Um, I'm getting my footing still when it comes to the clips. Jesse's unhappy. It's fine. I'm not unhappy. Douche chill. <laughs> okay. So this is fact checked by NBC News. They don't give it a rating like we do. What the fuck's the point of having a fact check? Well, <laughs> come on, NBC News, get it together. Okay. So. According to NBC News, this is a little premature, the way he's talking about this, because the factories have not been built yet. Yeah, what do you mean? He's talking about Field of Dreams. In- Intel, Doesn't it make you feel good? Intel announced that it would open two factories, which are expected to employ 3,000 people. The other 7,000 positions are going to be temporary construction jobs. So when he's talking about 10,000 new jobs and up to eight state-of-the-art factories in one place, the six other factories are supposed to be built over the next decade. So we're not talking about something that is happening like this year. Yeah, like somebody who's 10 years old today might get a job when they're 20. So good, yeah, great. That's fantastic. That kid will have a... A temporary job building something. But you think that this would have been more rousing for the Republicans because they love this kind of thing. Well, creating they love, jobs. They certainly loved it during Donald Trump when he was announcing Foxconn and their their giant uh, ten billion dollar investment in Wisconsin. That, by the way, never came to fruition, and they pretty much just abandoned this town, leaving it in the lurch after having eminent domain a bunch of land. And that's my problem with this is. If Intel follows through, great. This field of dreams, that's fantastic. But it's aspirational. Yeah. They're not cashing checks yet, but it sounds good for the speech. Yes. A field of dreams, good job. Little corny. Good job, speechwriter. No, not really. It's like, really, (laughs) did you just plug it into AI and set the setting to inspirational and then hope that it come up with something. Yeah. Well, I remember you asked me about the clips that I got. You're like, so are all of these going to be criticism or what? And now I'm a little worried (laughs) because I didn't know. Oh, is this going to be the positive one? Well, no, not necessarily, but I, you're going harder than I thought you would from (laughs) the very beginning. Well, no, 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 no. Okay. We may have to finish. Let me finish talking about this clip. I'll let you finish. Thank you. Thank you, Taylor. T <laughs> uh, Swift. Uh, let me finish by saying, let me just finish out my comment about this and say, this is all fantastic, but we don't know whether it's going to happen yet. If this happens and talking about investing in American manufacturing is fucking great. It will create jobs. We need, if we've learned anything throughout the pandemic that's not related to Republicans being selfish jerk-offs, It is the fact that our supply chain is a mess and we rely too heavily on foreign sources for things that could be made right here in America by Americans with good paying union jobs. And if that's what we can accomplish through this particular portion of his speech, then great. 
But you know what? Show me. Don't tell me. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably going to be the main theme of a lot of these clips going forward. Yeah. Is show me, don't tell me. So this inevitably led just three or four minutes later to a rousing chant by the entire house chamber of USA, USA, USA. More infrastructure and innovation in America. More goods moving faster and cheaper in America. More jobs where you can earn a good living in America. Instead of relying on foreign supply chains, let's make it in America. Look. Economists. Come on. I mean, what is this? Some fucking Trump rally? I mean, I'm expecting to hear, if you really listen closely, I'm proud to be an American. Of course you're there for the benefit of Americans and America. What is with this jingoistic, weird USA chant? You all represent a district within the, the United States. Biden, you're president of the United States. It would be odd if you started screaming "Viva la France." Well, it just—it was—it's weird to me. It's like someone who year round has an American flag outside their house. Oh, are you? Are you an American? How weird! I—I I don't know. It's fake, false motivational patriotism on display. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of the theme. If you're a patriot and you love America and you love Americans, show me, don't tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's the title of the episode. Oh, thank you. I there will, you go. I will add that. Doing work over here. <laughs> show me, don't tell me. I like how you have to write it down so you don't forget. Well, I'm a dumb fuck who will forget. Okay. All right. Moving on. Talking about something that absolutely does need some attention from our legislative body and executive branch, and that is prescription drug prices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is one of the highs of the night for me. We have highs and lows that we normally cover when we do things like this. For new listeners, by the way, we typically cover State of the Union addresses, debates during the election season. Yeah, we sure do. And we typically, I don't know if we do the grades typically, but we talk about our highs and lows from the debates or from the State of the Union. And we've only done dozens. I mean, who are we to remember things we do? Yeah, that would be, (laughs) that would be a bit much. So this is Joshua Davis, a nine-year-old who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was just 11 months old. And, you know, during the State of the Union address, they bring people to reference in the speech that are watching the speech. They're present for it to help drive home the message of whatever issue they're talking about. And so when... President Biden brings up the issue of lowering the cost of prescription drugs. He hones right in on insulin. 17 Nobel laureates in economics said my plan will ease long-term inflationary pressures. Top business leaders, and I believe most Americans support the plan. And here's the plan. First, cut the cost of prescription drugs. We pay more for the same drug 
produced by the same company in America than any other country in the world. Just look at insulin. One in 10 Americans has diabetes. In Virginia, I met a 13-year-old boy, the handsome young man standing up there, Joshua Davis. He and his dad both have type 1 diabetes, which means they need insulin every single day. Insulin costs about $10 a vial to make. That's what it costs the, the pharmaceutical company. But drug companies charge families like Joshua and his dad up to 30 times that amount. I spoke with Joshua's mom. Imagine what it's like to look at your child who needs insulin to stay healthy and have no idea how in God's name you're going to be able to pay for it. What it does to your family, but what it does to your dignity, your ability to look your child in the eye, to be the parent you expect yourself to be. I really mean to think about that. That's what I think about. You know, yesterday, Joshua's here tonight, but yesterday was his birthday. Happy birthday, buddy, by the way. <clears throat> For Joshua and 200,000 other young people with type 1 diabetes, let's cap the cost of insulin at $35 a month so everyone can afford it. And drug companies will do very, very well, their profit margin. While we're at it, I know we have great disagreements on this floor with this. Let's let Medicare negotiate the price of prescription drugs. It was such a nice moment. We were having such a nice moment. And then... And then they're going to make record profits. <laughs> oh. it, I mean, we just don't need to hear that. We don't give a shit about them. Well, we don't... It, well it's tossing a bone to Republicans. It's, yeah. It's, I, yeah. There's stuff in here for you guys, too. Yeah. <laughs> I need to reach across the aisle, y'all. Which is strange that you need to reinforce that point. Because, again, the point should be that Joshua, this kid, and his dad... Their family is spending an extra $3,500 every three months on insulin and yeah. other supplies to keep two of their family members alive. Yeah, not to mention the fact, just the broader overarching theme here, that profitizing, life-saving, I mean, not just like, oh, it's going to better his life. If he doesn't take it, he's dead. Right. So there's a legion of, of potentially dead kids that are that are propping up pharmaceutical companies who are goblins making money in a way that is I mean they you have to pay it people are they ration their insulin against how much food they eat and people die because of this yeah so there absolutely should be a cap and there should be a cap on all of these types of things where the, the the literal life or death of someone hangs in the balance. Yes, absolutely. Before we move on... And also, they could make record profits. Oh. Not important, but I, <laughs> I want to jump back really quick because before we move on from the job discussion, economic growth, I want to shit on the New York Times really quick because <laughs> yeah. they did a fact check of the State of the Union and one of the things that they fact-checked was this statement from President Biden. Our economy created over 6.5 million new jobs just last year. More jobs created in one year than ever before in the history of America. Okay? They rated this as partially true. The reason they rated it as partially true 
they say, Biden is correct on the numbers, but the government only started collecting this data in 1939. Ugh. So it's not technically true. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. In the history of America. You mean the Labor Department that didn't exist in, in, in 1798? <laughs> I, come on, New York Times. Do fucking better. Partially true. Ugh. Perfect. <laughs> So inevitably, obviously, Joe Biden at some point is going to talk about taxes. Yes. And, and that's where we find ourselves. My guess is if we took a secret ballot in this floor, that we'd all agree that the present tax system ain't fair. We wouldn't agree. They wouldn't agree. We As they grumble. I'm not looking to punish anybody. But let's make corporations and wealthy Americans start paying their fair share. Look. Last year, last year, and like Chris Coons and Tom Carper and my distinguished congresswoman, we come from the land of corporate America. There are more corporations incorporated in America than every other state in America combined. And I still won 36 years in a row. The point is, even they understand they should pay just a fair share. Last year, 55 of the Fortune 500 companies earned $40 billion in profit and paid zero in federal taxes. Now, look, it's not fair. That's why I proposed the 15% minimum tax rate for corporations. We've got... And that's why in the G7 and other meetings overseas we're able to put together I was able to be somewhat helpful 130 countries degree on a global minimum tax rate so companies can't get out of paying their taxes at home by shipping jobs and factories overseas it'll raise billions of dollars that's why I propose closing loopholes for the very wealthy who don't pay who pay a lower tax rate than a teacher and a firefighter so that's my plan but we have go more detail later I'm going to grow. We will grow the economy, <laughs> lower the cost of families. Of course. Oh, we're going to talk about all the details later. Yeah, I now I'm realizing the way that I, the way that I created these clips, I have high points and then also added the low points on there yeah, because yeah. this was a moment where when I heard that, I'm like, you don't need to add that. I mean, it makes what you just said seem like okay. What is he not telling us? <laughs> SMDT. Show me, don't tell me. Oh. Okay. <laughs> now we have an acronym. That's right. Got it. I mean, th- that is what this... Listen, uh, I think most people would agree who listen to our show that that having an, uh, a, a minimum corporate tax is great. 15% is a fucking hilarious, laughable joke that that's the minimum. Oh, we're going to hold them to account. They're going to pay their fair share. 15% minimum. Come on. But let me tell you, the idea, if we can get it done of uh, coming into some kind of a global treaty or global agreement with different nations of a global minimum would be great because companies can't just go overseas and, well, we're not an American company anymore. We're not subject to the taxation of of America. So that would be great if you actually endeavor to get it done and it's not just a point in one of four or three states of the union that you're going to get. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, moving on, 
something that's very likely near and dear to all of your hearts, many of your hearts, and that's the child tax credit that has evaporated. It has sunsetted mm-hmm. largely, obviously, because of Republicans, but also uh, Joe Manchin is to blame for this. And uh, Joe Biden... Only, uh, men- only briefly mentioned it. Only briefly mentioned it. Yeah. Let's pass the Paycheck Fairness Act and pay leave. Raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And extend the child tax credit so no one has to raise the family in poverty. Let's increase Pell Grants, increase our historic support for HBCUs. And invest in what Jill, our first lady who teaches full-time, calls America's best-kept secret, community colleges. Look... How are you going to do it? It's the PRO Act. When a majority of workers want to form a union, they shouldn't be able to be stopped. When we invest in our workers and we build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out together, we can do something we haven't done in a long time. Build a better America. For more than two years, COVID has impacted every decision in our lives and the life of this nation. I'm going to pause it there. This could be the pie in the sky section of the speech. Where he's just listing off wish list items. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Oh, student loans. Oh, wait. No, not that. Uh, child tax credit and hubba and And that's going to be wonderful. As, as uh, Joe Manchin's over there mimicking Amy Coney Barrett's face with a, <laughs> we're not fucking doing that. I'm the one who controls things here. Mm-hmm. So if you can't get it done, Don't yammer on about getting it done unless you're going to get it done. Unless you have a plan, at least, to to address how you're going to strategically get it done when you have bought and paid for Democrats in the Senate in Joe Manchin and and Kirsten Sinema. Yeah, well, and that explains the grade that I gave because that was my primary frustration. These things all sound really good. And as he has talked about them for the past year, they have sounded really good. But as we see, it's much harder to actually implement these things when you have people standing in the way. Yeah, listen, I, that's a great point. And I, I, we need to double down on that, that. We're not saying it's so easy. I see Twitter was a fucking nightmare for me last night because of all the more lefty types that are in my feed, that it's absolute, the acting as though it's so easy that these things should, can just magically happen. That's not the system we have. Mm-hmm. We have to navigate the alliances and the majorities that we have. Yeah. But the problem I have with it isn't how easy it is and we're not getting it done. Is that there's really no plan in place to pressure mm-hmm. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema to, to get their shit together and do what's right for the American people. Yeah. We'll let the, uh, the, the clip continue as he wanders into COVID. celebrating that we don't have to wear masks anymore and shit. And I know you're tired, frustrated, and exhausted. That doesn't even count the close to a million people who sit at a dining room table or a kitchen table and look at an empty chair because they lost somebody. But I also know this. Because of the progress we've made, because of your resilience and the tools that we have been provided by this Congress, tonight I can say we're moving forward safely back to a no, norm, more normal routines. We've reached a new moment in the fight against COVID-19 
where severe cases are down to a level not seen since July of last year. Just a few days ago, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention issued a new mask guidelines. Under the new guidelines, most Americans and most of the country can now go mask-free. And based on projections, based on projections, more of the country will reach a point across that point across the next couple of weeks. And thanks to the progress we've made in the past year, COVID-19 no longer need control our lives. I know some are talking about living with COVID-19. But tonight, I say that we never will just accept living with COVID-19. We'll continue to combat the virus as we do other diseases. While he was speaking, the day he was speaking, the, the March 1st, the average, the daily average of deaths was 1,908 nationally. 2,000 people a day are still dying from COVID-19 while they're raucously celebrating getting back to normal. We'll be able to not wear a mask around. <laughs> people are still dying. Yeah. And not like like uh, early er, er, in the early days when there was only a few, a handful of deaths. Two thousand people per day every two days more americans die than 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 live in the tiny town that i grew up in Mm -hmm. one of my hometowns is evaporates from the map every two days Mm -hmm. and they're all yes finally back to normal we're not gonna live with covid19 anymore what fucking reality is this yeah yeah, well, and it, it is true that deaths remain high. Hospitalizations are down compared to last summer, and cases are certainly down. But I, I agree that it is it feels premature to be talking yeah. about how we're going to be getting back to normal. I also don't think that that is beneficial messaging, getting back to normal. It's like his mission accomplished moment, like George W. Bush's mission accomplished moment. Yeah, and, and the reason I say that is because He's trying to really push this, this, there's someone missing at the table. He, he brought this reference up related to COVID twice during this speech, and it comes up a lot, meaning that someone has died. Mm-hmm. There, there are families across the country that no longer have someone in their lives. The, the chair is empty now because COVID-19 took their life. Mm-hmm. And he said there, COVID need not control our lives. And this is kind of a Republican talking point when you hear these people that are anti-mask, anti-vax. They talk it's about not being afraid. I'm not. I don't be led by fear. Right. You're not going to be led by fear. You're not going to be controlled by COVID. It's not going to dictate your your life. Jesse, you and I, as far as we know, have not had COVID. That is right. We could have had it and, and just been asymptomatic. That's very possible. But we have not been sick. Knock on wood. We're sure it's coming for us eventually, but hopefully by that time it will be mild. In that time, we have vaxxed and boosted, Mm -hmm. worn masks everywhere. We've also... We've also not diminished our social connections. We've gone out and hung out with other people who are vaccinated and boosted. We've seen other people who are vaccinated and boosted. We've gone... We went to Cool in the Gang. We went to a concert. Yeah, right. We, I don't know if we've gone to a movie during this time. The the silent place, whatever. Quiet joint or okay, whatever. We've gone to a movie. Yeah. We've eaten in restaurants. We've gone to bars. We have done things. Our lives have not been sad. Yeah. We, we lived with COVID. 
Yes. The same thing he's saying, we're not going to do this anymore. Because all you need to do is take reasonable risks. Reasonable precautions that allow you to take reasonable risks. That's way better yeah, said. Yeah. Way better said. Good job, Jesse. So, Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Are you going to toot your horn? No. Oh. no I have stats here that I want to talk about. Oh, okay. That, that we are, I mean, listen, that, let's not be doom and gloom about this. Yes, 2,000 people are dying. That is, that is horrible, and it should be the stat that we focus on. But cases are down over the 14 days that the New York Times tracks it, 58%. Testing is down 4%. So that it hasn't really stopped the testing and cases are down. Hospitalization, hospitalization down 44%. People in the ICU, down 44%. But deaths, the lagging indicator is only down 18%. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, um, I don't like it. I don't like, and also it's the same thing that like here in DC where they used to require a, a proof of vaccination to go in a restaurant. Uh, they dropped that and they dropped the mask mandate in most places indoor. And it's, haven't we learned from just looking at the, the chart with these giant spikes that, oh, it's all over. Mm-hmm. And then they drop the, the mitigation policies and then, wow, it goes crazy again. Mm-hmm. Things are insane in Vietnam right now. Things are insane in Korea right now. And maybe that's just because they're getting their dose of the Omicron. But let's not let's not celebrate prematurely. Well, and I think there maybe is pressure on Biden to go this route with a sympathetic angle of the conservative talking points related to COVID not controlling our life because a lot of people are dissatisfied yeah. with his job performance. And part of that is related to the handling of the pandemic and some of these anti-mask, anti-vax people dominating the discourse and convincing other people that it, we need to escape this. Yeah. No more mandates, all of that. And yeah. so maybe he feels like he needs to appease those people and appeal to them by saying, there's no need for COVID to control your life anymore. We finally have reached this point. You can go maskless. I'm on your side. Yeah, I, I guess... I'm, I'm not trying to defend him. No, I know. I'm just, I'm, I, I want to communicate to the audience to don't get sucked up into that bullshit because these are professional speech writers. These should be some of the best. They know how to communicate ideas. They chose those words. That is on purpose. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm trying to explain what the appeal would be yeah, or what the reason right. is for, for selecting those words. Do you notice how quick I am, by the way, to be like, I'm not defending that. <laughs> no, I, what I, but I'm, what I'm saying, they could have chose other words and communicated the same ideas. Oh, right. But it's ham-fisted. It's, it's clumsy. It's, it's an overt appeal to Republicans and anti-maskers and anti-vax dipshits. And with that... We're going to talk about how, how well, see, almost said Donald Trump. Joe Biden has a, is, has a, has a real fondness for all of the, the, the many police departments all over the country that just don't have enough money. Before that, though, uh, a word from our Patreon. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show 
by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We would like to give a special shout out to our new Patreon supporters, Lee W. Lee W. Mary S. Mary S. Michael A. Michael A. Michael A. Coming through with a very generous Patreon support. Thank you, Michael, so much. Dario D. Dario D. And Lorinda. Lorinda. So thank you so much. All very generous. All very kind. We very much appreciate all of the new Patreon supporters. We want to highlight two Patreon supporters who have increased their pledges. And those two individuals are Eric J. Eric J. And Kevin M. Kevin M. Now, Kevin M. sent us a message and said that they do not want to get a shout out. I, well, I don't know if they said they don't want to get a shout out. They just said it's not necessary. But listen, no it need. Is. I think they said no need to, to mention my name on the show. It is necessary. So, Kevin, thank you, Kevin. Fuck you and your 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 request. You're getting your <laughs> name mentioned. Yeah. So we have been really we have been really on top of sending the magnets out. So all of the new page. <laughs> that wasn't. That's what you're doing. That's not. When you say we, it wasn't. everyone knows it's you and you are tooting your own horn. It wasn't, though. Anytime that I get a chance to toot your horn or highlight <laughs> that you're tooting your horn, okay, we're going to do it. Great. So I have been really on top of sending the Patreon magnets out. We so we through, there you go, we're getting all excited about the drops. <laughs> so through the first, I have sent all magnets to new patreon supporters and everyone who has sent their addresses in so give it until the end of the week and if you have not received a magnet and you were supposed to still still email us we want you to get the magnet and we still have tons of them yeah we (laughs) so we got a lot of them yeah we want you to have them okay so no i mean listen that needs to be reinforced we do want you to have them we we bought these as a gift so we could put them out there. We, we want you to have them. Yes. So please email us your address if you did not get one, and we will send one to you. Yes. Yes. All right. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you so much. Uh, your your loyalty and listenership to the show um, are beyond anything we ever could have imagined when we started this little project, and uh, we think about it every single day. All right. Moving on. Back to the State of the Union address Joe Biden went through, again, one of those moments where he spent so little time on things that I believe are very important and a lot of time on things that just aren't. And I believe, and I I think we've talked about it enough here, that it is an effort to reach across to Republicans to tell them that what they think is important is also very important. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. Fund them with resources and training. Resources and training they need to protect our communities. I ask Democrats and Republicans alike to pass my budget and keep our neighborhoods safe. Police departments all over the country have enough money. That is not the issue. It's not like if you give them more money, they will kill fewer people. That's not the calculus. That's not how it works. We don't need more funding. 
We need accountability. We need at the, at the, at the point of intersection where you're hiring someone to be a cop who carries a weapon and has the authority to detain American citizens, to usurp their rights. At that point, that's where you need to hire the right person. This isn't about funding. This is about practice. Well, and again, it's kind of falling into the Republican talking points about what defund the police means. It's obscuring the meaning of defund the police. And there's a lot of argument about whether or not that is an effective phrase that actually communicates the meaning of what the movement stands for. And when Democrats actively take part in obscuring what it actually means, it's it's disappointing because defund the police isn't about eliminating police departments. Now, there is abolish the police movements, but when you're talking about defund the police, that just means funneling some money toward things that the police don't and shouldn't be involved in. Yeah, like psychological response teams, like people who are in mental health crises. crises. You dispatch people like Brittany Page, not armed agents of the state who end up killing them. Yeah, like this new mental health emergency national line that is going to be uh, put into place in, in the coming months. 988. Like uh, like 911, but it's 988. Yes. And you are going to need investments in crisis call center hubs, mobile crisis teams, crisis stabilization centers, uh, community-based support that can respond to people that are in crisis. So funding those things that that's what we're talking about when we say defund the police. Police don't need to be responding to mental health crises, right. and you could instead fund things that then respond to that. And isn't that fitting with safety and keeping people safe, keeping the public safe, keeping police safe? Yeah, shouldn't also shouldn't cops want some things taken off their table, yes. off their plate? Like, yes. Oh, this is this is great. This is one less thing I have to do. Gives me all kinds of time to write traffic tickets and not solve the backlog of of, of rape cases. Yeah, yeah. You know that. So defund the police is actually about safety. Was the sarcasm, was it thick enough? Yes. Because we moved right past it and I want everybody to know. Yes. Okay. Well, so (laughs) again, going against defund the police in this speech he's making it sound like the movement wants police to be less safe taking away precious resources that help them do their jobs that's not the intent that's not the message the message is to actually do things that would help keep them safe yeah without a doubt because listen i'm not an abolish the police guy at all I am I'm, I'm absolutely, we need to reallocate funds and do things in a smarter, more modern way and take the lead that, of the example that's been set in many European and Scandinavian nations. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Moving on to the part of the speech where how we started the show talking about uh, Joe Biden talking about uh, women's reproductive health care and abortion specifically. The constitutional right affirmed by Roe v. Wade, standing precedent for half a century, is under attack as never before. If you want to go forward, not backwards, we must protect access to health care, preserve a woman's right to choose, and continue to advance maternal health care for all Americans. And folks, for our LGBTQ plus Americans, let's finally get the Bipartisan Equality Act to my desk. 
the onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families. It's simply wrong. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. This is another moment where it's a mix of an approach that I didn't necessarily appreciate when he's talking about abortion, because he didn't even use the word abortion to talk about health care. And Roe v. Wade, he like danced around the word abortion, and I think he should just talk openly about abortion. And for (laughs) whose benefit is that? Because everybody in the room knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I mean, what? Everybody, what are we all children? We can say the word. Yes, say the word. And then I think the the latter part of that clip was good. Showing solidarity with the trans community, especially with what is going on in Texas right now, like we talked about on the previous episode. Mm -hmm. So related to abortion rights and Joe Biden saying that he feels that Roe v. Wade needs to be protected. Again, we come back to this conversation of how. Show me, don't tell me. Because just this week, the Senate voted 46 to 48 to block a bill by Democrats to codify abortion rights into federal law with the coming Supreme Court decision in June. It was called the Women's Health Protection Act, and obviously it failed to get the needed 60 votes to overcome the filibuster. And Joe Manchin joined with Republicans in opposition. So what are we going to do? What pressure is being brought to bear on Joe Manchin? Doesn't doesn't seem like anything. Seems like Joe Manchin runs the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to finish with this clip. We have been talking a lot about harm reduction on the show. Yes. And so this was a... This is another moment, though, where it's a blend of I appreciate the fact that he's talking about harm reduction. But when we look at it in the context of him just having praised the police, these things are don't necessarily line up. Beat the opioid epidemic. There's so much we can do. Increase funding for prevention, treatment harm reduction and recovery, get rid of outdated rules and stop doctors and, and the, that stop doctors prescribing treatments. Stop the flow of illicit drugs by working with state and local law enforcement to go after the traffickers. And if you're suffering from addiction, you know you should know you're not alone. I believe in recovery and I celebrate the 23 million, 23 million Americans in recovery. And here's what's missing is this sentence. And that is why tonight I propose we blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. There was, the speech was lacking that overall. And that's our last clip. And it's a shame that the speech was lacking that. Again, it is one thing to just say something as a platitude. Great, wonderful. You're talking about harm reduction, but how are we going to implement it mm-hmm. into the country and into the communities that need it the most? Well, and especially when the Justice Department is signaling that it will be open to allowing safe injection sites, for example, like we've been talking about a lot on the show, supervised mm-hmm. injection sites. He could have referenced that specifically. Right. And that would also create a difficult situation where he was just praising the police because Republicans and 
police departments are not always in favor (laughs) of supervised injection sites because you have people that are working to decriminalize drug use and offer people treatment and assistance with what they're struggling with. And you have people that want to put them in jail and arrest them. And those people are often at odds. So Joe Biden talking about harm reduction, really good. Want to see more of that. Want to hear specifics without the praise of police and obscuring what defund the police means. Yeah, absolutely. That would be ideal. So we'd love to know what your thoughts are on our analyses and also what you think. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We appreciate you very much. Thanks for sticking around as long as you do. A couple of things. You can support the show at our newly reorganized merch store by buying an I Doubt It shirt or hoodie or mug. Go to dollamore.info and that'll redirect you to our Teespring store. Brittany went through. It was a fucking mess. And Brittany did the, the noble job of unfucking years worth of my nonsense. So (laughs) good job, Brittany Page. Oh, thank you. So if you want to support the show, that is a great way. Buying a t-shirt, you're repping the the show. Maybe someone will ask about it. We can also build the audience that way. It's a great way to support the show. Also, Patreon. Go to teamdollamore.com and that will redirect you to our Patreon uh, page, which if you're, if you like the long route, is patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. Uh, there, you can help support and produce what we do here, and this operation is growing. We got a brand new podcast table. It is round and beautiful. We've got <laughs> new chairs. We are in the process of inviting people to be in-studio guests on the reg. Yep. And you can be part of producing that. Mm-hmm. We love you. We will see you next time. And until we do... For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.